The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. Ding dong. The blown lead witch has died. As the Royals bullpen converts on a very good outing from Danny Duffy and parlays Eric Hosmer's big two-run homer into a W. And it's Davo. Glad you are along for another edition of your dish on Clubhouse Conversation, where we will get to the final two games of the series and what to expect with the pitching matchups and our prediction coming up here in just a few minutes. And we'll go over this game as well, beginning with your player of the game tonight. And there's a few candidates. You could obviously make the case for Danny Duffy, who was spectacular in his six innings of one-run ball. Heck, you could even make a case for Greg Holland, striking out the side in the ninth after giving up a two-out single, coming back from a horrendous previous evening, one of the worst outings of Holland's career. Didn't even get an out, giving up four runs last night. You can go with either of those two. I'll go with Eric Hosmer, though, his 10th of the year player of the game here on the dish as Eric hit that big two-run, no-doubt home run over the Angels' bullpen into the front row out there uh, off of Jared Weaver in the bottom of the sixth. That's the 14th round tripper of the year for Big Haas, and that on its own was the difference in the game after the Royals had already tied it up in that inning. And yeah, let's start with that tonight, offensively, because not much going on for the Royals through the first five innings. There was one opportunity they missed out on in the fourth that we'll get to here in a second, but that sixth inning, Ben Zobrist misses a home run by five feet, the big double to right field and you know how good has Ben you know Ben 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 how good has Ben Ben's is coming over very good is the answer professional at bat after professional at bat there's been like one or two bad at bat since it came over it's pretty remarkable to watch him work and then you know with him on second Lorenzo Cain the Royals didn't two you know innings earlier move the runner Lorenzo Cain does a great job of advancing Zobris to third on a grounder to Pujols giving himself up in that at bat but wait it's more than just advancing him. It goes right through the wickets of Pujols for an error, scoring Zobrist. Kane down to second, so you've got a run in, Kane at second, and then Eric Hosmer absolutely unloads on the home run. The Royals go from down one nothing to up 3-1. to one. And again, that was great to see because of that you know golden opportunity the Royals blew in the fourth. You had an infield single by Lorenzo Kane for KC's first hit. Then he steals his 22nd bag of the year. So runner at second, nobody out. You're down one nothing in the fourth. Got to get that run in. And the Royals struggled a couple of times last night. Had guys at second and third two separate times, including the first inning. Yeah, they scored one in that first inning last night in the ballgame against Richards, but didn't get anybody in second and third with one out. A couple innings later, same thing with Hosmer and Morales being the guys who didn't come through in that situation. That would loom larger, of course, later in the game. But that's all said and done. But the point being, the Royals didn't get the job done again there in the fourth. Hosmer flies out to center, unable to advance Kane. Morales flies out to right. Moose gets hit by a pitch. But then, uh, you know, Rios grounds out three unassisted to Pujols to end that inning in the fourth. So nice to see, you know, after Haas not leaving second base in the fourth, the Royals come back and see Kane giving himself up in that at bat. And good things happen. You know, karma, the baseball gods like it when you play the game the right way, I guess. And give Drew Butera some credit as well. We'll talk here in a few minutes about some criticism he got from Royals fans for last night. And I do believe it was unjust and 
mostly baseless. I mean, you, you, you know, it's at least worth discussing some of the guys' ERAs working with Butera. I'm not going to say that, but I, I don't agree with that he has much to do with anything from last night. But anyway, you know, second straight night, a hit in an RBI late in the game in the bottom of the eighth, scoring pinch runner Paulo Orlando, you know, after Kendris Morales walked to lead off that inning. And that would be enough for the Royals pitching tonight. More than enough. And that's the real story of tonight. So let's get to that. Danny Duffy. He had that amazing string of seven outings in a row of six innings or more. And it's pretty amazing when you consider the ups and downs he's had this year and throughout the last few years, you know, between injuries, the Tommy John and some injuries at the end of last year. So there have been some ups and downs. And, of course, the knock on Duffy has always been high pitch count, stressful innings, can't give you the innings. That's seven innings or seven starts in a row before his previous start. He'd gone six innings or more. Didn't, of course, last outing. Only went three. But right back at it tonight. That means seven of the last eight outings now. He's gone six or more. He throws 93 pitches in his six innings tonight, allowing just one run on five hits. The key, no walks from Duff and two strikeouts. And he probably had one more inning in him after being through 93 pitches through six. But Ned played this game like a playoff game. Two bad losses in a row after having games. you got to win this game. So probably smart to not push Duffy too much and, and go to a guy who was so good last night, so pitchy fishing in Ryan Matson, Who made things interesting, no doubt, in that inning. The hit, and then with two outs, uh, two walks in a row. So bases are juiced. Two outs there in that six. Albert Pujols comes up. Ahead in the count, but Matson's able to induce the 4-3 ground out, gets out of the seventh. Besides the Hosmer home run, that was the biggest play of the night, obviously. Was that a bat with Pujols and getting him to ground out? Calvin Herrera, 1-2-3 with a K in the eighth, continues to be nails. And then Greg Holland, a two-out single yielded in the ninth, but he strikes out the side. And let's talk about Holland now. Let's get to him in last night. Velocity, first of all. Uh, there was another uh, former, I guess not former, still pretty much in the Kansas City media. Retired officially, but a guy who had tweeted earlier today that Greg Holland, you know, double whammy. Oh, Davis is struggling with the back and had one bad outing after not pitching for a week and having back stiffness. And Holland's velocity is gone. That's not true. Holland's velocity has been back for almost two months. Twice last night, he hit 97. Was sitting 95-96 last night. Tonight again, topped out at 96. So back to Mac Knights after throwing 29 pitches even tonight was hitting and, and sitting 96, really. I believe all fastballs but one were at 96 tonight in that ninth inning, if I'm not mistaken. And he strikes out the side. Velocity is fine with Holland. He's leaving too many pitches at times in the middle of a plate. It's not velocity. It's nothing to do with velocity. It's been the secondary pitches have been flat for the most part for Holland when he's gotten in trouble. And, you know, unless to get to one of the tweets I got earlier today, one of my boys, Daniel Newman, love you, Daniel. At DNew513 says, Butera is the issue. 14-plus ERA for Holly with Butera, under two with Sal. Other pitchers have similar split. Okay, I like it. You know, you brought a strong argument. You you backed it up with numbers. It's, it's worth discussing, no doubt. I don't agree with it, though, man. I, I Drew Butera, you know, and I, I talked to Matt Tupman, a former Major League uh, catcher and a, a quote-unquote catch-and-throw guy. And I talked to him. I said, is it almost degrading for somebody to call you catch-and-throw? Isn't that saying you can't hit, you're not a starter? And he said, not really. It's just what we are. If you're a backup catcher, you know it. And so Drew Butera is a classic catch-and-throw guy. Not going to give you a ton with the bat, but a guy who is really a pretty good leader. He's got good leadership qualities. I like the fire he shows back there. A nice job of framing, for sure. Does a very nice job at that. His arm's not as good as Salvi's. Whose is, really? Maybe Molina, maybe one or two other guys on the same level. Weeder is up there. 
But I mean, you know, and last night there was two balls that got back to the screen with Holland throwing. But I think that's more so that he hasn't caught Holland a lot. Now, I believe that is the ninth outing of the year now or something like that, that he has caught Greg Holland. So he's caught him a bit. So maybe that's a little bit overstated. Maybe that's an excuse for Butera. But no, I don't I don't buy the whole pitcher-catcher argument. Drew Butera is a, a veteran major league catcher. He's been all over the place. He's a catch-and-throw guy. And Ned Yost, remember, is the biggest critic when it comes to catchers. He was. He was exactly what Drew Butera is, a catch-and-throw guy. You know, Pedro Grafal, great job with the catchers as well. I mean, no, I I don't buy that at all. I just think Holland's been leaving pitches in the middle of the plate. I don't think it matters who catches. Yes, the numbers say one thing. I mean, remember how much that ERA more than doubled last night with Holland out there, too, not getting it out and giving up four. Remember that, too. So uh, some of that is sample size. Some of that's bad luck, I feel like, and some of that's just Holland not making the pitches. I think it's more just luck. And I mean, if if you're gonna say that, then how you know how good was Jeremy Guthrie last night? Does Butera get the credit for that? Does Butera get the credit for how good Matson was last night? No, of course not. That was on Guthrie and Matson for bringing it. So interesting thought to think about. It's, it's worth discussing, Daniel. So you know, thanks for the tweet on that. And then tonight, one other topic is at Stevie and the Raw says Infante has to go. Oh, for his last twenty six. We've talked about that quite a bit. The quick 90-second answer again is no, he doesn't have to go. He's got two more years left in his contract. And a lot of Royals fans, again, like to give James Shields a credit for Danny Duffy last year for being the leader and you know leading by example. Well, that's the exact same thing Omar Infante has been for Alcides Escobar. Is kind of the guy who turned him into more of a professional. Professional hitter. Quit trying to pull the ball. Quit trying to hit home runs. Take the ball the opposite way. Know who you are. Take the game a bit more seriously. Work ethic-wise, you know, stay grounded a little more. I mean, Infante's instilled a lot into Escobar. So give him some credit for that. Second of all, him and Escobar sure have been sweet this year defensively. Omar Infante is an above-average defender at this point. I'm not going to say real. I'm not even going to go as far as to say he's a real good defensive second baseman. I don't think he is. I think he's above-average defensively, though, for sure. And the arm has been much better than expected this year from Infante and the elbow issues and everything seems to be pretty good with his arm for the most part. He hangs in there on double plays. He can turn it as well as anybody. How about a couple of times this year he's duked out runners at third. Sorry, deked out. Deked out runners at third. You know, they start the double play by, you know, either Moose or Escobar tossing to Infante who throws home and gets out. He's a heady veteran. He knows how to play the game. And offensively, yes, 0 for 26 is, is awful. Most hitters go through an 0 for 26, or maybe not that bad, but a 2 for 26, or an 0 for 14, or what have you, at some point during the season. And yes, Infante's been bad all year. And yes, it's concerning that he has two more years on the deal. He's here for at least one more year. A, because who's going to take that contract? Unless the Royals are going to give up a major prospect and say you have to take Infante if you want this prospect, that's about the only way they're going to dump him. It's going to be a salary dump. Nobody else wants that. I mean, it's like, in the grand scheme, Omar Infante is making upwards of eight, nine, I don't know what the exact number is for next year, a million dollars a year. He's making a good number. At the end of the day, that's not totally going to backbreak some other teams, but the Royals can't afford to you know, just cut that contract loose. And there's not a lot of market for Omar Infante. So what do you want to do with him? You want to DFA him and get rid of him? Somebody's probably going to pick him up, I would think. First of all, you're not going to do it during the season. It's not going to happen this year, nor should it. You want a, on a team 12 games ahead in first place? You, I mean, 23 over 500, you want to mess up up the middle, take away you know, continuity, Escobar's BFF? No, you don't want to do that. And ultimately, Ben Zobrist may start at second. 
that may happen when Alex Gordon comes back. But Omar Infante's on this team true and through, and he's still a pretty good utility guy as well. A guy to have on the bench in the playoffs. He's not going anywhere this year. And I believe he's here for at least one more year. For, for the reason I just said, there's no market value for him, and the Royals ain't going to cut him because they're paying him. So I, I think after year three, now after next year, maybe even late next year, if he's really still struggling, it's a possibility at that point to think about cutting ties. Because at that point, it's only one year you've lost out on. And if, and if it looks like it's done either way, maybe, but it's at least one year away. And I don't think that's going to happen. I still think Omar has something in that bat. I saw some bat speed earlier this year. And maybe he needs some more days off. I don't know. I mean, we heard that excuse with Salvador Perez last year that we caught him too much and he wore down because he was starting a swing earlier because his, you know, his body couldn't, his, his hands couldn't keep up with his brain. His, you know, his, his hands had to be ahead before he could recognize the pitches. So he was swinging and triggering earlier at bad pitches. We heard that last year from Medios as the reason as to why Salvi completely lost the plate discipline. He was overworked, so he had to start a swing sooner. Pitch recognition was gone, and it makes sense. So perhaps that's going on with Infante. I don't know. But I do know one thing. Omar Infante is about sixth on the list of concerns for the Royals right now. It's Because you've got Ben Zobras, and you've got Alex Gordon coming back. And, and you can afford to have either Rios or Infante in your playoff lineup. Assuming you've got a healthy lineup with Gordon back, it's a damn good lineup, whoever you put in the nine hole. Infante's a fine number nine hitter. Rios is a fine eight. Or if you move Esky down to the nine, move Gordon to the leadoff, I don't know what they'll do with that ultimately, but it gives you a pretty solid lineup. And nice having a guy like Infante or Rios off your bench, too. There is still some value, especially Rios. Traditionally, until this year, mashed left-handed pitching. Not so much this year, if you look at the numbers. But anyway, that's my long-winded responses here. So the last two games of the series, you got right-hander Matt Shoemaker, 5-8 and eight with a 4-3-6 tomorrow. Johnny Cueto's second outing. It'll be in front of a sold-out crowd. Mike Sweeney going into the hall tomorrow. Cueto, 1-1 one one with a 205. How exciting is it for Sweeney Dog to go in? Hope you can be out there at the K tomorrow night. Give that guy the biggest standing ovation you can. A true royal, you know, bleeds blue. Will be a royal to the day he dies and beyond that. Loves this city, loves this organization. Great player. Top five to top seven hitter in Royals history. And remember, you know, you can say, oh, his back had issues those last three years. That contract was awful. Remember, he signed the five years 55 when nobody else wanted to. And it wasn't cool to stay in KC. When David Glass was known as the guy who canceled the team photo and gave $5,000 to draft picks after the fourth round. I mean, on and on. Remember that Mike Sweeney was the one that stayed here and wanted to be here and, and did great things to this community, too, on top of a great player. So a big night there. I want to give that a plug to be out there hopefully tomorrow if you can. Now, Matt Shoemaker and Cueto. Shoemaker's interesting because the 4-3-6 is not awful. He's given up 20 home runs this year, so that's a good sign. And he does come off an outing where he got rocked against the Shy Sox, his last outing. Seven runs and nine hits and five and two-thirds against Chicago, though he did have no runs and five hits previously and six innings against Cleveland. Cueto, of course, magnificent against the Tigers in his home debut. Eight Ks, no walks, four hit shutout. I like the Royals slam dunk style tomorrow. I told you coming in, I like the Royals three out of four in this series. I liked them to split games one and four and for sure to win two and three. They got game two tonight like I thought they would. Tomorrow they'll win as well. And I expect that they'll get game four. I do. You know, And in some ways you can say, well, they basically won game one because it was a fluke that they blew it. So maybe you're right. Maybe it ends up being a split. But I love the Royals tomorrow getting the W for sure. And then Sunday night baseball, lefty Hector Santiago against Giordano Ventura. Santiago seven and six, a two eight seven. Ventura seven and seven, a four nine seven. And then Santiago did face the Royals back on April the tenth. Went five and a third, allowing three runs on six hits. And Ventura faced the Angels once this year. 
Five and two-thirds, two runs on four hits. Comes off that nice. No runs, 8K, six walks outing against Detroit when I believe he got squeezed. So that's where we're at with matchups. Believe no matter what happens, the Royals should at least be able to split the next two. That's going to give you at least a seven and three home stand, and that's terrific. You're going seven and three in this stand or eight and two if you win the last two, and you, you just can't beat that. So that's all we have for tonight on Clubhouse Conversation. Likely I'm not going to be back with you until about Thursday. We'll be heading up to Cincinnati for that series. Be lots of social media from up there at Royals Clubhouse. Clubhouse Conversation on Facebook. Well, we'll be, you know, active with you. Uh, but it'll be up there and unable to record on a consistent basis up there. So we'll probably talk to you again Thursday when I get back to KC. Be up there for that Cincinnati Reds two-game set Tuesday and Wednesday. So be aware of that, but you know, keep it here on Clubhouse Conversation and, and follow us, like I said, on, on the Twitter, on the Facebook. More interviews will be coming up mid-next week. I'll be publishing some that I completed today as well. So interviews will be going on as regularly scheduled. We'll be back with you again Calvary Royals baseball inside and out on Clubhouse Conversation. Have a great night. Enjoy this. Great job, Holland, Duffy, Hosmer, Butera. Love it. Go Royals.